from KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter and Happy New Year. With this episode, we begin our 15th year of Straight Talk. We thank you for watching the show and listening to our podcast all these years. You're the reason behind the show and we thank you for your support. Tonight, we have a follow-up to an important topic we've been covering for the past few years, the crisis in our hospitals, in our healthcare system, and with our nursing and healthcare professional staff. Last September, we brought you a show with hospital administration experts who said, we are in an unprecedented crisis. Here's Oregon Association of Hospitals and Healthcare Systems CEO, Becky Holberg. How would you describe the crisis that we're seeing in our hospitals and healthcare systems? We'll begin with Becky. I think the word existential is a really good way to describe the crisis. It is really unprecedented. We've had people who have been in healthcare for 30 years, 40 years, and they say they've never seen anything like this. Hultberg says it's a perfect storm of staffing challenges, severe financial problems, and an inability to discharge patients from hospitals to move them to the next level of care. Tonight, we get another perspective, and we put the focus on the nurses and healthcare staff and hear their ideas for solutions. With our guest, Oregon State Representative Rob Nose, current representative for House District 42 in Southeast Portland and a small sliver of Northeast, and he's the incoming chair of the legislature's healthcare committee. Nose was also an Oregon Nurses Association union representative for 20 years. Matt Calzia is the director of nursing practice and professional development for the Oregon Nurses Association, which represents 15,000 nurses in Oregon. He's been an RN in Oregon since 2011, mostly working in critical care. And also joining us, Rachel Prusak. She's worked on the front lines of healthcare, dedicating herself to vulnerable communities for over two decades. Prusak is a board certified family nurse practitioner. She served as the chair of the House Healthcare Committee for two sessions, but did not run for reelection for the 2023 session, as she says her dual roles as elected leader and healthcare provider during the pandemic took a toll on her. Joining us now in the KGW studio, welcome to our guests, Rachel Prusak, Matt Kauzia, and Representative Rob Nose. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's so nice to have you all here. Thanks for having us. Thank, Thank you. you. Let's begin with you, Matt, because you represent thousands of nurses. From your perspective, from the nurses' perspective, would you agree with what we heard Becky Holberg say that we're in an unprecedented crisis? How would you describe it? I think it is accurate to say it's unprecedented, um, but it, it was not unforeseeable. ONA members have been raising concerns about um, issues at the bedside, about working conditions for years before the, the pandemic hit. And then the pandemic exposed vulnerabilities in our system and exacerbated existing problems. And unfortunately, the, the problems in the healthcare system, they, they are the burden of the frontline caregivers. And those are the ones that are really feeling a lot of the fatigue and moral injury and distress right now. And Rachel, how would you describe what's happening? I, I, I share the sentiment our healthcare system is broken. It has been for a while. It is why I originally made the decision to run for office to bring my professional experience to policy. Um, and I think that we really need to look at the systems that are broken and invest upstream in our mental health and our primary care and our public health because when we're not doing that, 
those community members end up in the hospital, which is impacting hospital capacity and the nurse workforce and the work on them. So I really think we need to address the entire healthcare system so as a whole. Real ripple effect. Absolutely. Representative Nose, you've been in the so, trenches with, with, with nurses, with the ONA. You're also sponsoring legislation that we'll talk about in a few minutes. Well, how would you describe it? So I agree with my colleagues and I agree with the hospital association. Um, the word has been overused, but it's unprecedented what we're experiencing. And we're also experiencing an unprecedented amount of turnover uh, in this workforce as well, it's something we've never seen. There's always been a little bit of job dissatisfaction in the two decades I've worked around hospitals and nursing, but nothing like this. Rachel, how is all of this affecting nurses? You're a nurse practitioner. We're tired. We've been shouldering the burden of our broken healthcare system for a long time. And it's manifesting in this what's called moral injury by some, but depression, exhaustion, anxiety, or then for those of us that take a break, some shame and some guilt for leaving more work on um, those of our colleagues that stay. Um, and I think we just really need to interrupt that cycle. It's time. The pandemic has shown everyone what those of us that have seen for a long time is there, and now we have an opportunity to fix it. And Matt, you know, you, you hear from nurses. What, what are they saying that they want the most? Well, I, at the core, nurses want to leave their shift feeling that they, they provided great care, comprehensive care, and that they did right by the, the people that they're serving. Um, and so I think that what they need and, and is safe staffing levels to set some standards around that, and they need to get their meals and breaks on 12-hour shifts so that they can engage with that patient care and, and, and be um, energetic and able to really engage with the, the process and the other care providers. So they need some standards set around staffing, and they need to be able to leave their jobs feeling fulfilled, not feeling defeated every time. I think there's a lot of despondency right now around the system and, and leaving work shift after shift, feeling like they didn't perform at the level that they're educated to and that they've, they've been trained to do. Let's talk about maybe some possible solutions. You're working on some legislation. Representative knows it's House Bill 2697 yep. aimed at helping ease the burden on nurses. So I'll mention a few key points sure. from the legislation, then we can talk about it. The bill establishes minimum standards for hospital units. It mandates OHA enforce the staffing law and establishes penalties for violations. The bill closes what it calls exploited loopholes in current law so nurses can get their legally mandated rest and meal breaks you were talking about, Matt, with, without compri compromising patient safety. And it establishes a binding shared governance process for home health and hospice nursing staff. Representative knows how do you hope that this helps ease this crisis? Well, first of all, if the law passes, nurses will have some assurance that they're getting the required staff that they believe they need. And then they'll have help from the Oregon Health Authority to enforce the law when it's not being followed or there's concerns in the hospital. Um, and then hopefully that means we staunch the bleed. Um, people stop, uh, they come back to work at the hospital. They, they want to continue to work there. Um, and it gets out into the public, into the community that working in a hospital is what we want to do. And what about these penalties? I mean, that must be something the hospitals aren't too excited about. I'm sure they're not excited about it, but that's part of the enforcement mechanism that we want to put in place and so that there is a, a penalty and an enforcement mechanism. If a hospital for a prolonged period of time doesn't get the staff that they need, there's a mechanism to hold them accountable. Well, Matt and Rachel, help us understand these ratios. What, what kind of ratios do you want to have? How many patients per nurse? And what are we looking at right now? Do you want to start, Matt? Sure. Um, 
the ratios are similar to what's happening, or there's what's happening in the hospitals right now. So in the ICU, it's typically one nurse to two patients. And the medical surgical floor is one nurse to four patients. Labor and delivery, they follow um, association, the professional association standards. So when a, nurse, a patient's in active labor, it's one nurse to one patient. So they have these standards. And what we see is a lot of deviation and not any enforcement. And so um, this isn't a big stretch from what hospitals are doing now, but it tightens it so they just can't deviate from it for things like meals and rest breaks. Or if they don't prepare for vacation time, nurses need vacations too. And when they take them, if they don't backfill those, then they may just run short staff or sick calls. And so hospitals have run really lean for a long time, and then they deviate from these standards on a regular basis because they've run their staffing so incredibly lean from before the pandemic, and now it's just getting worse. What are your thoughts about the ratios, Rachel? So from a patient safety perspective, we know that nurses spend the most time with the patients. Everyone else in the team spends a certain amount of time. And what they're doing is being very vigilant. They are looking for any near misses, any mistakes, any change in condition. So it's logical that if you have more patients, you aren't as vigilant. And so the research has shown that the more patients added, the increased risk of mistakes, even death, mortality, morbidity. And so we know, uh, for example, in California where they've had the ratios, there's less burnout, um, there's less issues with staffing, especially in the uh, communities with marginalized, um, serving marginalized communities. So there's evidence there are better outcomes, there is less burnout, but this doesn't apply to nursing homes, right? These, these ratios? Not that I'm aware of. No, this is not a nursing home bill, this is a hospital bill. That's right. And, and you talked about, we talked about um, penalties. There are also the possibility, I think I read, there could be civil lawsuits if the hospital. So that's one of the enforcement mechanisms that uh, the nurses that I've been working with want to put in place because I think there's just been a lot of struggle to get the staffing that they're supposed to have. And so yes, there'll be, there's, we're looking at increased fines and we're looking at a civil right of action where you can file a lawsuit and go to court if you are struggling for a long period of time to get the staffing that you should have. Well, how about hospitals, though? They're saying that a lot of hospitals, especially smaller hospitals, aren't going to be able to meet these proposed standards you're talking about. So I'm sure during the legislative process, that's going to be something that we're going to have to figure out. But I hold out hope that if we get a good law in place, it will attract the nurses that we know that are already here in this state back to work at the bedside and want to stay at the bedside and ultimately end up with an easier time hiring and retaining staff. Well, help us understand the, the politics surrounding this and, and the hospitals. What, what do the hospitals want? Well, you know, they, uh, during December legislative days, the legislature gets together once in a while and checks in on bills and policy. They said they would like to repeal all of the staffing laws uh, that are on the books for hospital staffing. And I think they know that that's a non-starter. It's hard to know if they're really serious about that um, in response to the bill that they know that I'm filing and working on. They've asked for some other things around help with their finances, help with patient care reimbursement, help with getting more people into the profession. And I think if we're able to do some of those things, it makes it a little bit easier for them to consider the bill that I'm trying to pass with these folks. One of the guests that we had on in September when we had the hospital administration experts on was Laura Hannum, and she is the CEO of Samaritan Hospital in Corvallis. And she said that they are, have really worked hard to try to address nurses' concerns. And she called on everyone to work together to come up with some solutions. Here's what she said. 
And so we actually, and I know a number of hospitals move quickly to put things in place such as critical shift incentives. They, don't, they put in place longevity bonuses, recognition bonuses. We've created more flexibility in terms of how we staff uh, different units. We've done everything that we can to support these nurses and other healthcare professionals. We are on the same side, and it is going to take all of us to solve this. So from my perspective, we need everyone at the table pulling in the same direction. Rachel, as a nurse and a former legislator, what's your reaction? So I agree that we are on the same side. I agree that we both really care about our communities but I disagree that the hospitals have done everything. I think that the nurses have shouldered the burden, as I mentioned, for a while. What I hope is that management feels that they are suffering from the same broken healthcare system that the nurses are, and how can they work together to fix it? And I think one of the things mentioned earlier by Matt is how they have been running a very lean system. And the reason for that is nurses aren't reimbursed for their work. They are basically just included as room and board. And so the hospitals have always had to run a lean practice, the less nurses to survive financially. So how about we look at it together? They're suffering from a broken healthcare system that doesn't reimburse nurses. Nurses have been shouldering the bur burden of patient care, and I'm hoping they come together um, and find some solutions. Well, help me understand what you mean that they don't reimburse nurses, because nurses get paid, so how are they not being reimbursed? They're not reimbursed by payers. They are just part of the line item for room and, bo room and board. And so that's how they see labor, the cost of nurses, as not reimbursable and the largest payment that they have to pay. Um, that has to change. It's a conversation happening at the federal level, but I think we can have it as a state level where nurses are reimbursed for their work. Well, Matt, I want to get your reaction, and I, I, you gave me some statistics that I want to show, and, and we'll talk about this. According to a report by Nursing Solutions, there is a 27.1% national turnover rate for hospital nursing, and according to the 2022, this is the State of Nursing report, which surveyed nearly 1,500 nurses, 80% of nurses say their units are inadequately staffed. A survey of ONA members found 50% of nurses report caring for too many patients on most of their shifts. Staffing is a primary cause of high turnover. Over. What are your thoughts and what's your reaction to what Laura Hannum said? So I think we all agree that there's a problem with the healthcare system and it's a, a matter of coming to the table and working on solutions. And so I would use, um, I'll use meals and breaks as an example in OHSU. So uh, nurses there have been wanting in the acute care floors, critical care floors, to get dedicated meal and break nurses. So they don't short the unit and the patients when a nurse goes to eat lunch. And what typically happens is nurses just skip their breaks. So the Oregon Health Authority went in 2017, leveled citations at OHSU for not having a mechanism for meals and breaks, and then nothing happened. Uh, nurses have kept raising that issue at their staffing committees and unit-based committee level, and they filed complaints with the Oregon Health Authority. In 2021, the Oregon Health Authority came back again, leveled the exact same citations for not having a process so nurses can get meals and breaks while maintaining those safe minimum staffing numbers. That was in 20, March of 2021, I believe. Uh, more complaints have been filed. Nothing has changed, and nurses have even gone so far as to file grievances through their unions, and OHSU's response has been no. So that's not really coming to the table, and that is a big 
That is a big problem for nurses. It may sound not as consequential to have a, you know, get your breaks, but on a 12 hour shift and that intensity of work, it's vital that you can take your breaks. And then when nurses, they're accustomed to not getting them, when they do get them, they realize how valuable they are. And so that, that I think demonstrates that folks are trying to come to the table, but sometimes they're just hit with a hard no on a lot of, a lot and of key And this legislation will put teeth into yeah, that enforcement. It will re require more staffing. Um, part of, in addition to the ratio, you're gonna be required to have staff that make sure that nurses get their breaks and lunches. Any other thoughts you want to share? I know you said this is going to be one of the most contentious bills that comes up in the legislature. I mean, it comes down to costs, right? Money, it takes money to hire people. And I think it's not necessarily about having people be better paid, though there are certainly some non-nursing folks whose compensation needs to come up. It's more about, it's going to take a little bit more money to have the kind of staffing that we think a hospital should have. And then hopefully in the long run, um, we have set up, stood up a better system so that the next time there's a pandemic or a health crisis, we've got people that want to work in the system, we've got enough people to do it, and we're better prepared. Well, we're going to talk more about solutions and about the nursing shortage when we come back. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We're talking about the health care crisis with our guests, Oregon State Representative from Portland, Rob Nose, Matt Calzia, practicing RN and representative of the Oregon Nurses Association. Also joining us, former Oregon State legislator and current nurse practitioner, Rachel Prusak. Thanks again for being here. Rachel, I want to start with you this time because you and I were talking about the nursing shortage and you mentioned, according to data, we need 2,600 more nurses than we have today over the next decade to replace those that are leaving the industry. How are we doing in meeting that number? Yeah, so the Oregon Employment Department uh, estimated that we need to graduate 2,600 new nurses a year to have the amount of nurses we need. That a is, year? Yeah, wow. that is not that okay. is not going to happen. Um, we have um, about, uh, I mean, we have bottlenecks. So we have bottlenecks in our education system. And then as we know, we have bottlenecks in our hospital capacity system. But the bottlenecks in the education system are we don't have enough faculty to train the students. So we have qualified students that are applying and they're not getting accepted. Half of what apply get accepted. And we have a slide that illustrates something about, about the shortage if people want to take a look at that. Why don't we have enough educators? To, you know, because are a lot of nurses who might want to become educators. Why don't we have enough? So when you decide to take a faculty position, you take a very large pay cut. And I just did that when I made the decision to take some of the stress off of being a nurse practitioner, serving the community, I did that. But it's a pretty significant pay cut and you need to have further advanced your education. So advance your education. So at a cost. DNP, PhD at a cost, and take a pay cut. And so there's a lack of faculty and so we're turning students away qualified students that could become nurses today. And that is one of the things that we have to fix. And Becky Holtberg with the Hospital Association had a few ideas that she suggested. So I'll mention those and see what, what you think, Rob and Matt. Um, she said, growing nursing schools by offering a tax credit for nurse educators, uh, having incentives for hospitals to provide clinical placements for nursing students, also expanding an incentive program for nurses, including student loan repayments. That would answer what you were talking about there, Rachel, and paying for moving costs. What do you think of those ideas? I think those are all good ideas. And I I think we should probably pass bills that do that. And if we pass some of those bills, I think it makes it easier to pass the kind of staffing bill that we're hoping to pass as well. What do you think, Matt? 
I, I agree. Those are all helpful. I think the tax credit, it doesn't come close to that gap in, in clinical pay and faculty pay. Um, so it may not be as impactful as, as really addressing the pay disparity. Uh, I think the other part is knowing that we can't burn out these new graduates as they enter the workforce, and that's what we're seeing as well. So we need to also really focus on the retention component. We can't just graduate them and burn them out. We're, we're seeing that happen as well. It's the younger nurses who are leaving the How profession. do you keep them? Is it, is it just the ratios, or, or is there something else? I think it's working conditions broadly. The ratios are a start, um, and then it's building from there. And that's why that the legislative um, bill has a lot of the other functions in there to take into account of what impacts those nursing working work conditions. Mm. Representative Nose, I know you've talked with Rachel about ideas. You were the former health care chair. Now you're the health care chair. What are some of the ideas that you're talking well, around? I know another bill that the hospital association is behind is trying to make sure that they, when a patient lingers in the hospital and could be at a lower level of care at a nursing home or at a residential treatment facility, if it's a mental health patient, they're not getting reimbursed while that person is taking up that bed. I think that's something that we could work with the hospital association on again, that they, if a patient is lingering in their facility, they should get paid to care for that person until we can get them to the right level of care. And you worked on legislation, I think it passed last year, that nursing students could practice in hospitals under supervision. Where are we on that? Has that helped? Yeah, so House Bill 4003 was one very focused on starting to address the nurse workforce issue. And that um, that you're talking about is the nurse intern model. Um, so nursing students can start to gain clinical skills and get paid. Um, I know that rulemaking has gone through the State Board of Nursing, but it hasn't been implemented yet, but it should shortly, uh, maybe with the next um, fall um, term. So we do, you mentioned this, uh, that a lot of patients are being boarded, and I'm seeing this firsthand with my mom, and I've seen it with other people where they are ready to leave the hospital, but they're kept in the hospital. My mom was in the hospital for two weeks, and she didn't need to be there that long because they couldn't find a place at a skilled nursing facility. So eventually, after two weeks, they sent her home, um, but now she's back in the hospital. So it's, it's this cycle. So what do we do about that without the rooms available in the skilled nursing facilities? Is there any way to increase it's a, that it's, availability? It's a different conversation, but we have to work with our partners in the long-term care industry to make it so that they have the staff that they need, including nurses, and the reimbursement they need to be able to accept these patients. So it's not very lucrative to run a nursing home or, or a mental health facility, and so that's part of our challenge as well. How do we get more incentives for the, the staff at the nursing homes? So one of the um, policies that I have left behind and Representative Nose has been um, kind to lead on it and worked with those in DHS is we have a, a very old and antiquated Medicaid reimbursement system for our community-based care, and so it's very low and the patients are sick, so when they are told no by adult foster care homes or other places they could be, they linger in the hospital. So I think the combination of a lot of these things that we've talked about is going to also help with the workforce. Matt, representing the nurses, uh, what, what would you like to say to, to the nurses that you work with and the, the hospital staff? Uh, you know, I, I speak with nurses frequently, um, and I hope they can, you know, keep on staying in there. I think what I, what I hear a lot of are nurses with experience are trying to roll back their hours. And that's not captured in the turnover data, but that is really impactful. And so um, I want to tell them to, I know that they're, it's difficult to stay engaged with the political process and the advocacy work, but to do so 
so that we can get better working conditions and we can start getting nurses to say, yeah, I want to work full time, rather than saying, how far back can I cut and keep my benefits for my family? Because that's what's happening now across every hospital system. And Representative knows about 40 seconds. I would just say this is, hospitals are critical employers. We have to have hospitals in our communities. Everybody gets sick and needs a hospital level of care at some point. And so figuring this out is vital. If we don't have nurses that want to work in these, with these critical organizations, these critical employers, we're not going to be able to accomplish the things we need in healthcare. So fix, figuring this out is very, very important. Well, we really appreciate all of you working on this, and I know the hospitals want to work on it too, so we hope to see a lot of progress in the coming year and in the coming legislature. As the mother of an oncology nurse, I'd like to say thank you to all of our nurses and healthcare professionals. We owe you an ongoing debt of gratitude. We said it a lot at the beginning of the pandemic, and we should say it more. Thank you, and you are still our heroes. We'll be following Representative Nose's proposed bill as it makes its way through the legislature. When do you expect that to come up, by the way? Probably in early February. Okay, we'll be watching for that. And thank you for watching. Next week, we bring you straight talk from Salem, speaking about the legislature as we sit down with the Speaker of the House, Dan Rayfield, to get his take on the upcoming legislative session. We'll see you then for Straight Talk. Have a great week.